Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Sportstone Podcast, day two of the fourth test Ashes breakdown. The match situation is as follows. England are two, 384 for four in response to Australia's 317 with Zach Crawley leading the way with a superb 180 run knock. Um, it was remarkable. Joe Root was scored 84. Um, Zach Crawley scored 189 to be precise. Moinelli was scoring 54. He's he's moved to Bannam at number three, paying off. Um, Australia no real pick of the bowlers, if we're being honest. Um, Mitchell Stark is two for 74, but he's going five and over. Cameron Green is one for 40. Going four, Hazel one for 62. Australia made 317. Chris Rokes got a much deserved Pfeiffer. I thought the talk that we gave dedicated to him in the the last day of the previous last match and yesterday's podcast as well. He got that milestone, that elusive milestone. He wrapped up with the Pfeiffer, and I guess, yes, that was a story to start the day. The no ball of Chris Rokes. Was it a no ball? It was quite tight. Um, and it seems there might be something behind that line. Nevertheless, I don't think it's that contentious of a decision where it cost um, both sides. Australia didn't add too many, and Rokes did end up getting the five for anyways. So I think the first storyline we probably want to start off with is, um, I guess, Ben Duckett. I think the way Ben Ducker got out was a perfect testimony to why leaving the ball is still a necessary trait, even within the baseball world. I mean, you, you guys have seen the insane statistics of best Ben Duckett's leaving. He leaves around 1-2% to of balls, and that's compared to like Andrew Strauss, who was at 20% or in excess of 20%. That is a massive discrepancy, and to an extent a discrepancy which isn't entirely surprising, but 1% to 2% is a lot. Like, that's very, very low. That basically means he doesn't leave the ball. And the ball he got out to yesterday is probably a reason why you should be prepared to at least leave the ball at some stages. Moving away, outside off, just, it's it, the ball is meant to drag you outside the line of off stop and poking at it. And that's exactly what he did. He, he poked it outside off and he nicked off. Um, it, was, it was set up for it and um, he got out to it. But then... Joined together, Moinelli and Zach Crawless. Oh, Zach Crawley, sorry. Uh, Moinelli and Zach Crawley, accomplice, accomplices in shutting out the doubters. Obviously, there's been doubt around Moinelli. Retired, doesn't boast the the most attractive Test match stats in terms of sort of averages and records against Australia. But to be honest, yesterday he got what three thousand Test runs and. Um, over 100 test wickets. I, I believe that's the stat that he, he surpassed yesterday. Um, and that's pretty impressive, to be fair. Yeah, you can say he's got more opportunities than any of the other England spinners all-rounders have got. And um, yeah, you're right, he has. Um, but there was heavy doubt over Moyoli going to his test match series. Like, what what is the value of retirement if you're just bringing him in? What's the value of county cricket if the if the spinners that are performing well in county cricket aren't getting a, a, a go? Um, all of that. All of that sort of fervor was around and then to add to that he had that first test match performance where the finger essentially prevented him from having any success then he went away from the second test match didn't play there came back in the third test match and i thought he had a very good performance i thought i thought it was instrumental in leading england to the, the victory uh, at headingley um but then all of a sudden now there's more drama and you're not helping him by promoting up to number three uh, a person who hasn't really shown any glimpses with the bat in this series so far um, hasn't shown any glimpses since his return. 
Now all of a sudden he's promoted number three, and obviously at the other end you have Zach Crawley averaging 29 in Test cricket, 38 Test matches. Uh, really one notable knock. Obviously he has a few under hundreds, but one very very notable knock of 267. Shown glimpses, but even with even under Basball, while he's freed up a bit and he's shown the the glimpses of his elegance and exceptional shot making, he still hasn't really broken down the door. We've got signs of it coming in this test match. I, I thought he looked very good at Edgbaston. Uh, at the Lords, was, he was at his sort of dominant best um, before once again throwing it away. And that's the sort of the kryptonite of, of Zach Crawley, throwing it away, making bad decisions, nicking off, getting bowled through the gate because you're playing hard. So at what stage do you stop playing with hard hands, right? At what stage do you stop repudiating the, the basics of test match cricket? But Yesterday they came together and they got it done for England right when they needed to. And I'm going to come back to that sort of point I just made regarding Zach Crawley about at what stage do you stop repudiating the basics of Test Match Cricket because honestly that clarity that he has in the way he wants to play is I think what is helping him now sort of regain his bearings in Test Match Cricket. But yeah, Moin Ali and Zach Crawley combined um, and they, they, they put him in a blistering partnership after Ben Ducker got out. It was actually Moin Ali who was leading the way which was um, to an extent surprising because it's usually Zach Crawley that, that does a lot of the uh, a lot of the work um, early on, but Moeen Ali was blazing away before lunch. Uh, I think he hit Mitchell Stark and Pat Cummins for a few boundaries, and um, he got to fifty. Crawley got to fifty, um, and you thought this was a day maybe when both of them combined to get hundreds. One of those historic partnerships, you know, one of those historic Ashes series partnerships, but. Then the counterpoint was that Australia have always managed to pull it back. They always do pull it back. No side has really got away from a, another side in this series. Um, and then Usman Khwaja took a very good catch of Mitchell Stark's bowling to dismiss Moen Ali. You thought, yeah, there you are. Australia aren't going away easily. And you thought, there you are. Australia are going to crawl back now. Especially with sort of how rickety Zach Crawley can be at times. Especially how sort of rickety he looked yesterday. There were a lot of inside edges, lots of outside half. Uh, the false shots were sort of stacking up, um, but it didn't happen. And I think obviously credit has to go to Zach Crawley and Joe Root, and, and we'll come to that. But it was definitely Australia's worst bowling day of the series. They seemed lost for ideas. The flatness of the pitch didn't help. Early on, they were way too straight to Zach Crawley, and then they went way too wide to Zach Crawley. When they kept it in those tight lines, Crawley would play a few really, really good straight tries, but there were a lot of inside edges, a lot of outside edges, and that probably that was probably the line, the effective line to them. Um, they were too short to Joe Root. I know they got Joe Root, they troubled him with that short ball plan at Lords, but you have to realise that it's an enormous experience for Joe Root. He has never had a major short ball weakness, he just wasn't concentrating at Lords and he was making silly mistakes. So to persist with that short ball plan, especially going wide, you cannot go wide to Joe Root, he is the best cutter of the ball. Um, and to an extent the defensive field settings for once really backfired against him yesterday because even Crawley's inside edges and outside edges were going for twos and threes. Um, to Joe Root, they had the point up at, start, uh, at the start of his innings, which I was impressed with, because I, I think having a deep point to Joe Root, as I mentioned several times during the series, is dumb when he starts his innings. It's an easy single. You're going to um, let him get off the mark. But yeah, I, I think the major salient issue of Australia's bowling was that there was no real consistency that England showed um, on the first day, and England showed that plan works. 45% of deliveries in the good length, guess what? They had Australia 9 down, or 8 down, sorry. Um, they didn't let Australia get away, which is exactly what England did yesterday. They let Australia, they, which is exactly what Australia did yesterday. They let England get away. Australia haven't let England 
get get away so far that the match has gone out of reach so far. It's threatened, but in, they pulled it back somehow. Yesterday, they, you can't fault them in in, in, in the their attempts to try things, um, but they seem lost for what would actually work. It, it seems like they just enacted a plan for the sake of it. And obviously, I think the other major factor was uh, the sort of lack of absence of, of a spinner who can hold up an end and obviously also be a wicket-taking option, and you're bound to feel that. Nathan Lyon has been their frontline spinner for 10 years, and ever since he's played, they basically have never had an issue regarding a frontline spinner. But they didn't have one for this first match, and uh, could Murphy have done that job? Could Todd Murphy have been that spinner at least hold up an end? The question is, we don't know, because of the way he was used... Um, last game, and I think that is a fault of Pat Cummins' captaincy. I'm not, I'm not saying Pat Cummins is a good, bad captain. I, I thought I think he's actually done some admirable um, decisions in the series. I think there have been a few decisions going the other way, and I think one of them being the Todd Murphy decision. Didn't use him early on in the first innings. Used him when they had that Stokes onslaught, and I thought Murphy actually held his pretty nerve pretty well in that Stokes onslaught. It's probably one of those difficult, most difficult inauguration Ashes cricket, probably other than Marnus Labuschagne's when he faces Jofra Archer in the previous Ashes series. Um, and then the second innings he didn't really get a fair opportunity. He came into bowl when the match was virtually close to being done. So we don't know if he could have done that job. And the fact is that Australia missed that job being done. So could Todd Murphy have been a resource that may have been sort of used uh, a bit more effectively? Yes, uh, I think so. Um, but I think you also have to credit England's approach. They knew that Australia were basically working with part-time spinners, despite Travis Head's five for or sort of success in the subcontinent with the ball. He is a part-time spinner on, on pitches that aren't necessarily primarily assisting spinners. And what did England do? What does Zach Crawley do? He went after him. First ball four, second ball six, ten off two, two balls, and then Moin Ali went after him. Then Joe Root went after him. Zach Crawley continued to go after him. They basically hit Travis Head out of the attack, and now Pat Cummins was under pressure because the fastballs were getting hit, and not even Mitchell Marsh and Cameron Green were, were safe. Um, safe from the onslaught so every single Australian bowler was, was getting hit and they weren't staying consistent to a plan they would keep changing the ideas but they wouldn't stay consistent or they wouldn't even slow down the pace of the game and go back to test match basics um, and challenging them that way I think Pat Cummins was under pressure and, and there's been plenty of articles written um, over, over the past day that it's probably his worst day in, in the Australian captaincy colours. Yeah, maybe it is. I, I don't think it's too constructive or too valuable to discuss whether it's the worst day or not. Cricketers have bad days. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it was under pressure. Uh, his fielding efforts showed that, uh, the drop catch, the overthrows, um, and bowling-wise, he looked very off-song. Pat Collins is a, he's a relentless, rhythmic bowler. And I think that's how he's become so successful because he's found such a repeatable rhythm. Most fast bowlers struggle with this concept of rhythm. They they have some days where they have the rhythm, they have some days where they don't have the rhythm. And the days where they don't have the rhythm, they look very off-colour. Pat Cummins doesn't have those days very often because he's created such a repeatable run-up and a repeatable action. I think to an extent, a lot of it is also mental. He has this intensity when he runs in constantly. He's able to always match the demands of the game. And he has this full sort of self-confidence in his skills but yesterday he looked off color that rhythm didn't seem to be there that's australia's perspective let's look at england's perspective that is remarkable what we have just seen i think we just saw basketball at its peak yesterday what what it sort of promised to get to this whole series like can england ever reach this moment and that's what they did yesterday 384 and 72 overs run rate over five um 5.33 to be precise and that after being essentially 
um, 27th and none in the last 10 overs, so slowing down towards the end of play, um, especially after the wickets of Crawley and Root. So it was close to 6 in over at the stage, and that's seen the strike rates of Zach Crawley. Let's focus on Zach Crawley's innings. 189 of 182. The volume of runs is amazing, but to sustain it at such a devastating strike rate and to have such a devastating impact is off the charts. What did he do? He 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 flicked one Australia with two straight, and then when they went, then they went, when they went wider, he punched, he cut, he covered drove. Then they went straight up, he drove them down the ground. Yes, there was a fair share of luck. There were a lot of outside edges that flew over gully instead of man. There were inside edges. Um, but that clarity, which I'm talking about, Zach Crawley, he knows the way he wants to play, and I think under Basball he has learnt that I gotta just stop constricting myself of this fear of failure and this fear of sort of edging off and this fear of sort of succumbing to my technical deficiencies because I have them. I have the technical deficiencies, accepted them, and he even said in the post match conference, he said that I'm not consistent. It's fair to say I'm not consistent, but I know I'm good enough to play at this level, and I think the way he plays under McCullum Stokes shows that because he plays freely he plays the shots even if he nicks off the the innings before even if he gets stumped and needless way the innings before he will come out the next innings and continue to play that way which makes me think he's the perfect archetype of what a baseball cricketer is a person who has all the strokes but has previously been sort of um, constricted by this fear of failure and now has just been given the license to play with the freedom they desire, play their game and I think Crawley realises he's been given a long rope he's been very lucky to get the opportunity he gets so he doesn't want to really throw it away playing a way that isn't natural to him he's like if I'm going to go out I want to go out on my own terms and yesterday that clarity finally reaped dividends England's investment finally paid off because everything he did was with clarity and conviction and Australia couldn't stop him they could do nothing to stop him. And Joe Root was the perfect partner in crime at the other end. Moeen Ali was the perfect partner in crime at the, other, at the other end. Because in their own way, they never put pressure on him because they played their natural game as well. And that is basketball. It will have its bad days. It will have its days where you, you're scratching your head. But perhaps the expectations have to be changed because it isn't a conventional ideology of playing cricket. Zach Crawley himself isn't a conventional player. If he was a conventional player, he would have been dropped by now. You will not be in the test team by now, so maybe your expectations of Zach Crawley also have to change. Maybe from Zach Crawley, you can't be expecting a batter who's going to average over 40, over 45, and be one of England's great test openers. But I think you can expect a batter who makes match-winning contributions, hopefully a bit more frequently than he has done in recent times, but I think we are getting signs that it's going to head towards that trajectory. Towards the end of the day, the pitch did start to play up a bit. Zach Crawley's dismissal of Cameron Green, I think it was a slot. <coughs> Sorry, I, I think it was a slow ball. Um, Green rolled his fingers over it, and I think it actually held up in the pitch a bit, highlighting it, it's um, starting to hold up a bit. And Manus Labashen even said in the first day that it has a bit of holding up, but on the second day, it seemed to flatten out even more. It seemed just the best day for batting. Uh, Joe Root got one that were essentially skid across his ankles, uh, bounced that low, and while you can say that England might be worried considering they're chasing, um, Sure, they may be, but that's why they need to maximise the lead, and that's why I still think Australia will be more worried because of the lead that England have. Uh, if the pitch does really deteriorate and break down, England have the bowling resources to exploit that, and Australia may be in trouble. But the weather is around, so that could change the way the pitch plays. Um, but I think there'll be a result. Unless there are full days washed out, I think there will be a result. 
um, with the way the match situation tends right now, England having a lead of 67 with still Bairstow to come, Wood and Wilkes to come, Broad and Anderson who can hold a stick decently. Obviously, Brook and Stokes in right now. I think England, if they don't get a lead of at least 150, 200, they have let the ball slip. They need to get that lead because it'll give them that cover that they need with rain around and it will essentially sort of bat Australia out of winning the test match and then barring that there is no weather um, at least no major interruptions of weather but four days of Australia you would back England to win this test match and take it into a fifth test but then again you never know this test series has fluctuated throughout and it's probably going to continue to fluctuate but all we do know is that Basball reached his peak yesterday Zach Crawley paid off the investment that England put into him Joe Root stayed Joe Root the Basball version of Joe Root with those reverse rams Moeen Ali Shut up, shut off a few doubters, and Australia had a bad, bad day. But it's another day, and we go tomorrow. I'll be back again for a day three breakdown tomorrow. The daily breakdowns continue. Drop a follow so you can get notified when they come. If you can leave a like, I'm sorry, if you can um, leave a review and rate the podcast, share it around, provide any feedback that would only be helpful in enhancing the production quality. Thank you, and see you tomorrow.